Yo, what's poppin'? This is Logan Murdoch from The Real Ones on The Ringer. I'm here with Raja Bell. What's poppin', bro? Yo, what up? Just watching some highlights of a 07 playoff game. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. We talk about the 07 playoffs and how Raja feels, still feels some type of way about the outcome of that series with the Sun and the Spurs. We talk about that. We talk about the Clippers. We talk about the Lakers. We talk about Raja's pain. It's just a really great I'm episode. Mad, son. I'm going to tell you why tell I'm mad. Tell me why you're mad, son. Tell me why you're mad, son. <laughs> Tap in right now on The Real Ones coming up next. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Yo, what is popping, bro? This is another episode of the Real Ones Podcast on the Ringer NBA feed. No, I just put it you in didn't the know chat. This is- I just put it in the chat. Oh, you just put it I in the chat? I just put it in the chat. <laughs> I just put it in the chat. <laughs> we just put that voice that you hear on the other on the other side. He just put it in the chat. That's Raja Bell. Yo. What's popping, Raja? Can you give can you give a little background to put it in the chat? Put it in the chat. Like that's our all right. <laughs> Our producers have a chat open on the side of our Zoom call with pertinent information. And I like, look, here's my deal. Our producer, if, Sasha. Sasha, shout, shout out. Producer out. Sasha. Yeah. Um, if uh, somebody says they need to have a chat with you, let's just start with that. If you hear, hey, dog, we need to have a chat, good or bad, like you got to be expected the worst, right? Yes. Like, like, nothing yes. ever good from, comes from the chat. So so full background on this, we, we, like, like Roger said, we do have a chat, right? And so Sasha was asking us, Hey, do you want us to text you? Is that going to make a noise or anything? Or do uh, do I text you on your phone just to see like on time and things like that? And me and Raja at both in unison said, put it in the put chat. The chat. <laughs> put it in the Zoom chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a segment. I don't know what we're going to do Put it in the yet, chat. Hey, but it's, it's but you're going to put it in the chat. We're going to put it in the damn chat. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we have this in the chat. Around this time, though, this is the off season, Roger. Mm-hmm. I, this just came to my mind. I promise we have a rundown and everything, but this just came up to mind. It just made me think about exit interviews. Oh, the last chat. Oh, the last chat. The season. That's fantastic. 
Those are the best and the worst at the same time. They're, they're awful. What? Give me your best off-season chat story, or and then give me your worst one right now. Hmm. Um, it's a good one, bro. Um, I've never really. I, you know what? Don't know. My best ones came in Phoenix. We were rolling. Um, you know, I those first couple years, people expected me to still be a part of what was going on. So those chats were pretty good with Mike D'Antoni and company, right? It revolved around like, hey, this is where we're going. These are the pieces we think we need to add. Um, go home and keep working on your on your shit. The worst chat I ever had was the worst chat. The worst <laughs> chat um was Kevin O'Connor, Utah Jazz. I had come back off a wrist injury. I wasn't the same player. Not the ringers, Kevin O'Connor. Not, Not the, the ringers, ringers, KOC. Uh-uh. Kevin O'Connor. He was good. He was a good GM too. Um but I hadn't played well that year, and I had worked really hard to get back. I felt like my body was in good shape, and it was a tumultuous season. All of that led to, like, you know, us not playing well, and I didn't play well. And he said to me something along the lines of, like, hey, you need to go back to, the to to you know, Miami, um, get back on, on, on whatever it is that you do, because clearly what you did last summer didn't work. And that shit was, like, ether i was like what oh damn are you just gonna hit me like there are a lot of ways you can say that to someone saying that what you did last year clearly didn't work was real g shit like he really it hurt it was did you, did you respect it i know you was hurt but did you respect it um no i didn't i think now you respect it it seems like now you respect i don't it the way you did i don't because i thought he was off oh, you don't yeah okay. i thought he was off like okay. it you know, I my body was in the best shape it had been in. I just, you know, for one reason or another, wasn't a good fit with that team. So it really didn't matter what I did. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, he probably should have so just the, traded. I, 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 I want to compare and contrast the rage that you had from this moment mm -hmm. and then the Robert Sarver um, dinner. that I mean, the lunch that you had with Robert Sarver. What was the rage factor versus the, in Utah versus that 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 lunch in Phoenix? Yeah, that the, the lunch in Phoenix was my all-time like rager moment in the NBA because I was still a, a at this the Kevin O'Connor thing. I was at the end of my career anyway. Like it was, you know, I, it is what it, it is. is, what right? it is. Yeah. Uh, the Robert Sarver one was some was some bull. And but again, I want to say fully within his rights not to give me an extension. Like I was taking a swing for the fences. Like I knew there was a, a good possibility he was going to say no. Prob more probable than him saying yes. But the execution of that shit was in real poor taste, bro. Real poor taste. That was. When you told us the story, I was dying laughing because that is so out of pocket. Yo. Yo. <laughs> Bro, so out of pocket. he's so out. Of, he is just not a great people person, I don't think. Like, yeah, you know, like it's whatever. He's not a bad dude, just not a great people person. Yeah, I mean, those people exist. I, I want to know before we get to these topics, like what is the next, what is this part of the season like, the off season? And, specific, and a specific time in the off season, right when you're done, right when, you, right when it's over, and you're at the crib for all day when in a way and you have nothing to do. What is that like? What 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 did I do? Um, how did my season end? For the, like the last the last two like the the two weeks right after the season. Not like in the month. How did my like season right end though? Time. Did I go out? Did I make the playoffs? Like did I go first round exit? Like how you made the playoffs? I made the playoffs. You made the playoffs. Oh, all right. Um, yeah. I, I you know the Phoenix Suns just lost to the to the Spurs. Phoenix Suns just lost. To, oh, so I'm salty. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hot. Like if you're talking about yeah. 07 Suns losing, um, which we're gonna get to a little, little, we're gonna get to that in a second. But yeah, that's called previewing. That's called previewing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, don't step on my toes when I 
do that because previewing. Oh, 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 sorry. Oh, just that. No, right, come on, we're having fun today. Um, no, I, it, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, Logan, because like you, you notice from like being with like traveling and following a team, you you have a schedule, like it's penciled in, like you're, you're used to it. It's, it's what you do. You're a creature of habit and your routine. And so what those first few days of the off season, um, especially when you played in the playoffs and you can't like forecast a vacation. If I wasn't making the playoffs, I'd be somewhere on a beach. Um, you know, you got your shit packed, you got the movers coming, like you're not spending. It's almost easier though, right? Like when you, like it's almost easier on the mind when you know you're going to not make the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. Right? Job's over. You have a de- definite like end date and you could, you know, plan to be somewhere, you know, sipping on your favorite drink. Um, when you think you're going to make a championship run and it gets like yanked out from underneath you, like you, you mourn a little bit, bro. Like there's a little bit of a little bit of depression that hits. Now it's nothing like you know, like major depression or anything like that. But you certainly um, are just left like wondering how, why, like you know, what what could what could I have done better? Like you're replaying that for a few days at least, trying to before you get over the fact that you're out. How does it? How do you feel like the like if I, say I'm I'm your homie, right? Mm-hmm. Like and I'm around you a lot. How do how does one approach Raja Bell when he just took an L? Yeah, that's that's a good that's fair. Uh, that's a fair question. I think some guys fall into the category of of like this is just a game. I play it for a living. I'm not going to really be tripping off of a loss. Like we tried our best, keep it moving. Now, I got nothing like bad to say about that mentality. Other guys are like, don't you know, talk to me. Like I'm holding up. I respect that too. Neither one is me. I'm I'm more like look. I'm not going to be out at the club necessarily tonight and I'm I, and I'm not going to be holed up in my room. I want to keep it like small with a small you know group of my people and and um you know we can we can go about normal activity but let's not let's not think since my job is over for this year that we're going to go out and light the streets on fire. Again, at the same time I'm not holding up in the room. So just keep it normal. Just keep that shit normal. We can talk about it like you know, it's all good. How how was it after like the Phoenix losses? Because is there a team dinner afterwards? Is there like is there like a final congregation among people? Because I I was reading uh, I was reading a book, reading a Jeff Perlman book, Three Rings. It was really good, mm-hmm. and he talks about even like at the end of the 0304 Lakers season, that they you know that was that was a crazy season as you know. But even after that, they congregated and had like a team dinner afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have that? And how how were those those team dinners afterwards? The, the last congregation. Yeah, I don't I don't think we really had team dinners like after we lost. I can't remember a team having a team dinner, but we did we did do stuff at, like as a team. Like you you know you'd have you know families would get together and 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 you know just kind of maybe even a house party if you will. Like my son always had a birthday like right around the end of of the season, so like. You know, one year our sons, the congregation I remember having was my son Dia's first birthday. So everybody came over to the house, um, you know, in the afternoon and we, you know, we celebrated like his birthday and just kind of kicked it, commiserated, drank, you know, talked our shit and did what we do. But I don't remember ever having like a, a sit down team dinner like we typically have in training camp when you're about to start a season. Like that's like a team dinner. I don't remember having one of those at the end. So... We're talking all about this because the Lakers are having the time of their life. Like they're they're having the time of their life. I'm assuming socially distanced and being responsible, but they are in Vegas right now, having the time of their life. And um, just you know, take a little curtain back. We're supposed to have a uh, Danny Green on today. Um, 
from the Los Angeles Lakers. We're, we're probably going to have him up in the uh, up soon in the next couple of episodes. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but he he had to, he was having a lit time, Roger. He was having a lit time As and just kind of canceled last minute. As he should. <laughs> we were talking like we were talking before this this um this episode, and we we're talking about how you would approach a podcast post um championship. How how would you do that? What I feel like Danny was really cool in how he did it because there's no way I'm thinking about a podcast appearance when I'm out when I'm out here partying after I wanted a title. How would you have handled that part? Danny Green, super professional. Um and super professional. And his team on their job, like really good about right? yes, because the way I would have approached it would would have been, you know, had the time in my life. Phone would have been burning up in the morning, um, probably from my publicist um, or from the show or whoever I had committed to do an interview with. And I would have just kicked the phone somewhere under the bed or under a pillow so I couldn't hear it vibrate and maybe even turned it off and then apologize to you like later in the day. That would have been not even profusely like, oh, sorry, man. You know how it goes. Yep. Would you even probably. give us that? I'm being just keeping it a buck. Like that's probably how okay. young you know, I don't know, 28-year-old Raja, if we had won a championship, like, that's exactly how I would have approached that. You would, you would like, I'm calling you, you're not even answering the phone. Nah. Right? You just not even, like, and you've already, like, kind of committed to it. Not kind of, but you have. Yeah, firm even when you Even when your man's, like, a, a, asked you at two in the morning, like, yeah, man, we're going to totally do it. Firm commit. Right? Yeah. Now, again, this is, this is if I had had a good night, like, and we were, you know, we were having, like, if I'm up in the morning, I'm probably going to do it. But once the, you know, once you start the liquor flowing and 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 the night and gets, you get in at eight o'clock, yeah, that's tough. You get in at eight a.m. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. And uh, you know, like I feel, I feel like NBA players, in terms of how responsible they are and how they treat, like you know, situations like this, I believe the NBA players a lot better now. Overall, like Danny is the subject of this conversation, but I think overall, because of the building of brands and you know all of these guys having more interest other than just basketball, I feel like they're better with those commitments now than than some of us were when I played. And I can't speak for everybody, but I, I wasn't very good with some of it. For sure, and, and shout out to Danny for being so professional. We'll 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 tap in with Danny soon. Um, the Lakers, man. Let's get it like this, like a final break, like breakdown of that season. Do you? I still feel like they have the pieces to make sure that this isn't the only time to win a title. I think that they're going to win. They have a, a legitimate shot to win back to back. You know, you got AD reports that AD is going to opt out, but resign with LA. We knew that was going to happen. Do you see this team being among those teams going forward? I mean, I yeah, I think they got to be the favorite next year going into the season. It'd be interesting to see what the odds say. Um, you know, I, th I think Golden State and what they wind up looking like is going to be interesting. Um, I don't know, man. I I I just wanted Golden State. I think they have to. I am a firm believer in Steph, Dre, and Clay. Yep. But they got to get a front court dude, man. They have to get a legitimate center. And I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if they're going to get that. But they, at the roster presently constructed, I don't know, man. I just I I don't see them in the mix like that. I see them as a five seed, and I'm probably going to get a lot of like flack for for saying that, but I don't I don't see them as more than a than a five seed at this very moment. Yeah, I don't think you're I don't think you're um, being unfair at all. I I think they've got a lot of work to do around that three. Like what that's that's ultimately what decides whether or not you're just a really good like a really good trio or or you're a team that can contend. I just it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they can kind of recapture some of even 
the Clay, Steph, Draymond magic that they had, right? And 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 um, what that just does to the landscape of of, of the West. Um, I heard that the Mavericks may be in play for for one, like uh, Giannis, like you know things like that. Any any kind of major shakeup like that, but anything short of that, you know, I like the Lakers. And what's going to be fascinating for me to watch, and I think you know, we'll ultimately decide whether the Lakers have legs in terms of an open window with a dynasty there. Not dynasty, but at least an open window with championships is which type of players who've already made their money, who've already made their name, will go there and play for whatever the Lakers have to offer because they want a chance at winning a championship. Can you dig what I'm saying? Like, which Mike, yeah, yeah. which Mike Miller's, which James Jones's, which which um, Shane Battier's, Ray Allen's, like who who are those guys for the Lakers? Yeah, and and that's going to be interesting. It's damn sure isn't 09 Raja Bell. He's going to get the bag in, in Utah. He's not. Um, yes, because I will not be coming to Los Angeles. I, you have to have made your money. Can you dig what I'm saying? Like you have at to, that point, you didn't. You didn't think like you made your money at that nah, point. Nah, dog. Nah. Look at my earnings. Like I, I felt like I, I didn't have. I hadn't made enough to where I was like I can afford not to make money now. Like you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. That's a cool place to be in to be like you know I'm gonna take a pay cut. That pay cut riches is a is a different bag. Listen, I had an argument with a dude. I'll never forget it, man. I, I had turned Miami down and I was at a water park in in Palm Beach. And there was a cat that followed me around, no bullshit, all day, arguing with me about how I couldn't take less money to play for the heat. And I was like, I, I just remember getting into a dude like, yo, my man, where where do you work? And he said, so I said, okay. So let's say your warehouse, right, is like ranked 23rd out of 30 warehouses, right? And this like number one ranked warehouse wants to give you a gig. You're having this full conversation with I had to have it with them because we're standing in these lines and I'm like, yo, just stop. And I'm like, if the number one warehouse wants you to come work for them at one tenth of what they're offering you at the number 23 warehouse in the country, like, are you going to leave? Not the same. I'm like, fuck if it's not. It's the same thing, bro. So get back up. But like, bro, also, 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 when people talk about, oh man, why did he leave from Oklahoma City for LA? Or like, why would he do that? Or why would he leave Memphis for New York? Like, it's New York. You, and also, and I didn't want to shave Memphis because shout out Memphis, shout out Chris Vernon. I'm just saying, this is what it is. Right. That's like, if you were to say, hey, man, I got this work transfer to go to to go to to go to Miami, or I got this work transfer to go to New York, and they're gonna pay me a bag. Just on that one, you're gonna say, "Okay, yes, yes, I'm gonna do that." No, I did. I left Miami to go to Utah, but I live in Miami, so for me, it was like I'm good because I'm coming back to this. I just gotta take this trip to go get this bag real quick. Hashtag I live where you vacation, yeah, so I'll be back. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, no, I, I just don't get why people think that. But the Lakers are having fun, so that means we have to bring up the Clippers. Well, <laughs> before we do that, let's take a quick break. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back to talk about a team near and dear. To me and Raj's heart. They're very near and dear. Bro. The Los Angeles. No, not even the LA Clippers. Bro. The LA Clippers. All right. They're having a little turmoil there. <laughs> a little turmoil in LA. Not Los Angeles because they don't want to be Los Angeles. They are the LA Clippers. They promote assistant Ty Lue to head coach. Did you did you have any was that was that we haven't really spoke since then. Was there any do you have any issue with that? Um, I don't think I don't think I have any issue with it. I, I was it confusing at all to you? It is kind of awkward when you have a it's always awkward when you see the visual of somebody, an assistant from one staff becoming the head coach of said staff. It, it is, you know, that's always a little bit. And, and, and the pre-existing relationship with him and Doc is they're really tight. Right. So I, I think because they're really tight, I'm not really, I, I would assume that they have that conversation and, and, and Doc is like, take the job, bro. Can I, can I ask you like a conspiracy theorist? Like, do you, Conspiracy Raja? What? That's strange. Do you think that, do you, is there any possibility that Doc was like, hey man, I got this Sixers gig. I'm out. Ty Lue the job. Here's why I'm asking. Here's why. Because I ultimately think. You got the third eye on, bro. You got the Kufi on. It's like real. Uh, okay. Here's, but listen, why do you, and I love Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue's going to do a great uh, job wherever Ty Lue is. I think he would do a great job. Here's why. It's interesting with me with the Clippers, dog, because if you're the Clippers and you don't think Doc Rivers' style, philosophy, and the like is getting it done, you're just sliding a protege into the seat. It's basically, it's different. Right. Same, same, but different. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's like, but if you, like, if you're saying if your stated goal, and I agree with you to this state, if, you're, if your stated goal is to have a new regime and a new culture um, system, culture system yeah. Because that's what you do when you fire Doc Rivers, because that is ingrained culture. Correct. It do, it does feel odd when you sign a new guy. That's like when the Lakers were about to, um, when they got rid of Phil Jackson. And remember Brian Shaw 
was like the lead guy, the guy that players all wanted. But they were like, nah, we're going to get Mike Brown right. because we are going to get a whole new setup and a whole new regime out here. It is a little little awkward that 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 it's Ty Lue. I mean, I, don't, I like I think it's I don't for Ty Lue. Like I'm, I'm a Ty Lue fan. I just that one, it was a little weird, a little weird. How's Ty? How's Ty to work with? Great. You, you worked with him a little bit in in uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, right? Ty's good people, man. Like Ty's a a relatable dude, um, down to earth, um, really really uh, has a good finger on the pulse of of players and 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 what they need and what they respect, but not too close to him where he can't hold them accountable. Like he's really he's really really good. So I don't mean to make it where I don't think he'll do a good job. I was just saying it was you know for the reasons you articulated. Like you usually see a regime change at that point. But Ty's the mark good. Of a good co- yeah, I was going to say, the mark of a good coach to me is that you could stand up to the best player and the best player is still rocking with you, mm-hmm. right? The best player is still ha- – you still have his ear. What about – because there's always the story about LeBron at halftime of Game 7 of the finals where he is, you know, he's pissed. He's, you know, he's saying things that Ty Lue is just like, hey, bro, chill out. I think it was – I think it was a little bit more vulgar language, vulgar language but – and so he stood up to LeBron essentially. What are qualities that you see out of Ty Lue that makes him good to deal with star players? Because he got a star laden roster in, in LA. Yeah. Well, first, I think he was he was bred in an environment with the Lakers where you had stars and personalities like that, right? And he had to learn how to hold his own as a player in an environment like that. Kobe's don't respect you if they can walk all over you. They they don't. Like you know, like the, the players like that. So you have to have a backbone as a player, even playing on their team to let them know that like, look, dog, like I'm, I'm a man too. So I think, you know, Ty, Ty has that about him, but he's not too far removed generationally from those dudes, LeBron and AD, more specifically LeBron, where he's out of touch with what's going on with them. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's not like you're looking at your grandpa, um, like Ty's going, you know, rock to some, some of the same music, they listen to and, you know, plays, you know, some of the same card games. So there's a language that they can, that they can speak that is, that is, that is shared. Um, and I, I think that goes a long way with the dude. So when you do need to tell anybody, Hey bro, you know, nip that in, like cut that out. Like we, we got to get it together. You know, th- there's a respect level already there. It's not just like out of left field. Yeah, sure. And he's going to need that, especially with, with a guy like Kawhi Leonard. There's been reports out there. You know, you know, the end of the season reports, Raja, mm-hmm. where, you know, stuff just starts to come out. It, it was reported by The Athletic that, Ka- that that Kawhi was late to flights and other teammates felt that he got special treatment because he could go down to San Diego um, and rehab on his own time. He can miss games. And that was his agreement with ownership. My thing is this. If you get Kawhi Leonard, chances are there are going to be some. And not even just Kawhi Leonard. If you get a superstar, there are just things that you're going to have to do to accommodate that superstar. With LeBron James, it's having his people in, right? It's having the trainer on staff. It's having his people on the plane, right? Right. With Kawhi, if he has this, if he has this agreement with ownership, that has nothing to do with the play other players. Yes, he probably does get stressful treatment. You know what else? He's Kawhi Leonard. He goes, earn that. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, 
I and I know like and I know you feel like I'm talking about I know how you would feel as a role player, but if the uh, what can you do if the guy already has these accommodations with ownership? No, even even as a role player, like I understand that you wouldn't treat me the same way Amari would get treated or Steve Nash would get treated or even Sean Marion. Like there's an understanding there. There's a hierarchy, there's a pecking order, and and that's okay. Um what I would say to that is like and like dealing with LeBron in Cleveland. Right, there were accommodations made by Cleveland that weren't necessarily made uh, by the, by the Heat in terms of some of the things that LeBron needed from his camp's perspective and so on and so forth. Pe- people knew that, and people on the team that weren't LeBron didn't have those concessions necessarily made for them. What LeBron didn't then turn around and do is kind of rub your nose in the rest of it, like making you wait on planes for him and holding up the process and generally acting you know, as if he were kind of better than the rest of them. Like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I can't speak to whether Kawhi did or not because I'm not there. But the point is, you're always going to have some special treatment for a star. But you want that star then to turn around and understand, I got the special treatment. I am the star. Let me not let me not hold up the process, man. Don't have people sitting around waiting for me for a half hour how did or LeBron, 45 minutes. How did LeBron toe that line, though? Right? Because he is a superstar. He's yeah. LeBron James, but he's also a part of a team. How did he toe that line in a way that we reportedly – have 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 seen what uh Kawhi. Well, w- what what David Griffin would would do, and I think this went a long way, and I don't know whether they did it or not. But Trent Redden is in the Clippers front office, and he was with us uh with the Cavs, so he's got some experience. They, I went, I was on ninety nine percent of the road trips with with the Cavs. Um, David Griffin didn't travel much. Trent Redden was in in Europe uh, or at the college games, and and Kobe would go to Europe. Kobe Altman. So I wound up being like on the road as the GM a lot of times. So I would get a call from Griff saying LeBron's not going to play tonight, right? Like LeBron, I don't know whose idea this was. Could have been LeBron saying he didn't want to play or he needed a night off. Could have been Griff. But the way we were going to approach it as a staff was we were giving LeBron the night off. So that didn't fall on LeBron's shoulders that he's saying he needs a night off. All the guys would know is as a staff, as an organization, we've told LeBron he's taking the night off. So that protects LeBron from from any criticism, whether it would be on him or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take that out of right. the equation as a staff by saying this is what you're going to do. The rest of the way LeBron the way, the rest of the way that LeBron approached it and made sure it wasn't um a problem with the rest of the guys was again just to be a part of the group. Like when things were going on, he was a part of them. He was leading some of them. There would be, you know, wine drinking sessions when we were in LA. Um you know, at the at the restaurant or the hotel that those guys were having and LeBron was conducting them. They'd be having a good time. Like when we went bowling as a team, you know, on the road in LA, LeBron's there. He's a part of it. He isn't missing all of these opportunities to be one of the guys, even though he's getting special treatment maybe that other guys wouldn't get. Okay. So he, that, and that's the line you need to tell, right? You have to tell it. Well, what, because you said another, one interesting thing that I don't necessarily know if I don't, from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like that happened. In LA, which is, it didn't seem like the Clippers presented it in a way where the cat you say the Cavs did, where okay the team did this the team this is the team holding him out critical. Do you think that they the team could have done a better job? The Clippers could have done a better job in doing that and and relaying that message. I, yeah, I think you it's it's if you are trying to foster a healthy environment within your locker room, um, and a perception nationally that that is good for Kawhi, then yes, you take that on your shoulders as an organization. Here's the way we're approaching this. Like, 
we this is when Kawhi is going to miss a game or we've decided Kawhi is going to miss a game. You can't give the perception to the media or to the people, you know, in the building working with Kawhi that that he's just running the show. Like that's a poor perception to give. And even though people thought LeBron was running the show and probably still think he's running the show wherever he goes, like you can never concede that if you're a front office. Like you know, you may consult with LeBron on a player that you bring in because you want to know if he thinks he can work with him, but you won't never want to give the perception that he's calling the shots, right? Both, you know, for, for your leverage in certain situations and to protect the player from, you know, the ultimate narrative that will be um, at the end of it, if it doesn't succeed. Uh, and I think the biggest thing with the Clippers is they didn't, there was a lot of guys that were superstars in their role the year before that thought that they were going to be the, the, the go-to guys and nobody really, Nobody really went into a role. They didn't. That was the biggest thing. They never went into their role. Lou Williams thought he was on Kawhi Leonard's level, right? And Montrez Harrell thought, "I'm the guy. I should get it." And rightfully so, because they balled the year before. But again, there has to be some self awareness and some uh, version of that where you're like, "Okay, I am not as good, and I am not the guy. Let me go get into my role." Yes. Um, and that they never, they never did that. I agree with you 100 percent on that. Um, I, I think that. And I said it from from early in the like you've talked about it too. They lost their identity. Like they just lost who they were the year before, which was a, a gritty, tough, almost underdoggy type of team. Like, you know, with without Kawhi and Paul George. And when Paul George and them hit the town with the success that the Clippers has had before, people thought it was like, you know, it was Hollywood. Like they were, they had achieved, you know, the ultimate goal and they just hadn't. And they got to get back to like. I don't even know if you can recapture it. I'm gonna keep it a hundred. I don't know if you can recapture it. You don't think they can? I don't think. You don't think they can? I don't know that you could. You could be a good basketball team. Like I think Ty Lue can figure out how to make them a, a very good team. But you're not going to recapture who they were two years ago. So now you got to figure out where you go from there. They're not getting that identity back. No, but do you, do you think that they? Call, I, I took it as you thought they caught lightning in a bottle this year, and they just didn't. They didn't take advantage, so they might be screwed. That's how I heard. Um. No, that's not what I'm saying. I think Ty Ty Lu and company has to come up with a, you know, a a, a, a new type of philosophy with what type of team you're going to be, how you're going to play. You're not the team from two years ago in the playoffs that was surprising people with how well they were playing and catching people off. Like you, you're not going to recapture that. You have to figure out with these dudes, like how you're going to play, um, the style you're going to play. You know. You have to have someone there. I agree with Kawhi in one regard. Like, they need a point guard with what they have. They need someone that's going to dole out the ISO opportunities, that's going to orchestrate the offense and make sure that the characters that you're talking about aren't stepping all over each other's toes. Like, can you dig what I'm saying? Like, someone has to control Who, who's, the a, who's a point guard that you think that they could have? Do you think that maybe a, a, a reunion with the, I don't know, a, let me just take a shot at target, a Chris Paul? Ugh. Yeah, but he's he's perfect. He's I mean, I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of the dollars and shit like that, but he's perfect. Someone that's just gonna strong enough personality. I mean, they're gonna to have to tra- they're gonna have to trade some of their guys. They're they would have to trade to make salaries match, obviously, because he has I think he's making like forty mil next year. It's something crazy. Um good work if you can get it. I, I, I think I think that they would need to trade for him, but somebody like him, somebody maybe like a I'm just throwing shots. I'm not even I'm throwing shots out there. I don't know. Uh, the contract situation when I speak on this, but like a George Hill, maybe would you think that'll be a good one, or do they need a like a top tier point guard alongside them? So, I think it's got to be top tier, and I've never said this, but I just kind of came to it as we're sitting here, and I'm thinking about Kawhi. 
Um, I don't know if Kawhi's a leader. Kawhi can be your best player, but I don't, I don't know if Kawhi's a leader, right? Like, think about the teams that he's been on that have won. Like, he wasn't the leader um, in San Antonio, right? That was always Tim Duncan or or Tony Parker or, or someone else. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't the leader in Toronto. The leader in Toronto is Kyle Lowry. Like, he's that personality that, that leads. He was the fabric of Toronto. He still is the fabric of Toronto. Kawhi was the best player. So you have to have a leader. I don't know if Paul George is a leader. Like, he's a great player, too. Maybe he is. I don't know. I'm not saying he's not. But I think you need a personality. And so I don't think George Hill is he's – a, he's a really good player. I don't know if he fits the bill for what I'm talking about with them. You've got two, you know, really dynamic players, interesting personalities. You need a real bona fide leader to bring that together. Is it – I don't know because – you know, you always there's always this running joke of like, yo, we don't know who Kawhi is. We don't know if he's that guy. We don't know. Like, we don't know what he is. He's a completely different person. Like, he'd be chilling and stuff like that. I think what you see is what you kind of get with Kawhi. And and I think that, like, in, in terms of just him being silent, you know, and in terms of him just being that person, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think that what you see is what you get on that. But it's going to be interesting to see what these Clippers team do. I don't know. I don't know if they get back. I just think the psychological factor, I don't know if they're strong enough to come back like this, but we'll see what happens. They'd be in the mix next year. I don't know if they're, I don't know. If, this year, I think mess with them in a lot of ways. So we'll see. Yeah, you've been off of them like since we started this, but you, 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 I mean, you, you were better than me. I, I had hopes for them. I thought they figured it out. They just could never get right. They just never put a, put a role together. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But since we have you here, mm hmm. I want to introduce a new segment, Roger Bell. Mm. It's called The Real. The, the Real? The Real. Mm -hmm. Where we talk about a moment in a player's life. Not a, a moment in a player's career. Okay. That was that was a big moment that will be very memorable in the, throughout their career. We always know them for being a part of a moment like this. And no, I'm not talking about the one you guys think. I know what you guys <laughs> are thinking. No, we're not going to talk about that one today. I want to talk about... Spurs, Suns, and in 2007, I can already see Roger right now getting pissed. He's already mad yeah. right now. Salty. <laughs> Salty. And I want to talk about game four of the Western Conference semifinal series where Robert Ory was suspended for a flagrant foul and half of the, half of the team had to sit out do you want to say this? Do you want to just go through this pain? Can you tell me what happened? I want you to, uh, this is going to be great. Let's, I want you to tell me what happened. Tell me what happened from your vantage point. Tell me the, the, the aftermath. And then we're going to, we're going to go down memory lane a little bit. Yeah. So tell me what um, happened in that game four. Did we win? We won game four in San Antonio. Didn't we? We were winning that game. Um, yes. Yes. We had the game. Um, Steve was bringing the ball up the court. I think I was, he was coming up the left sideline. Cause it would have been right in front of the, uh, the scores table and Robert Ori runs over and like just checks him. This is out like in the open court. Like, you know, this isn't like you're coming off of a screen and the big forgot the hedge and now he got to come over and bump you. This was just like out in the middle of the floor. So S Steve, like I catch it out of the corner of my eye. Steve goes flying into the scores table. So like, that's our, that's our guy. Like that's, you know, you, we're going to rally for the guy. So I run over there immediately at Robert Ori. I want to say he gives me like kind of like a forearm in the chest, like like back up. Yes. Um, and the next the next thing I know, 
like people are starting to like, you know, it's like, it's not a fight. It's one of them NBA skirmishes, right? But I didn't think much of it other than that. Like they doled out the, 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 the punishment in game. I think Steve shot some free throws. We said some FUs to each other, me and Robert Ori and other people, and the game finished. And then in the locker room, like I remember feeling good about it, Logan, because like we were like, we're doing this. Like this, this is we're gonna win a championship. Well, let's paint a picture of that. Let's paint a picture of that team. Let's paint a picture of that team because I do want to do that before we get to this. So this was the 2016-17 Suns. This is the you guys had lost to the 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 uh Spurs the previous year, um, I believe. Because this is when you guys no, we played, lost. Um, this is when we lost guys... to the Mavericks the year before without Amari. Oh, okay. Excuse me. You guys yeah. lost to the Mavericks that you guys lost to the Mavericks that year. That was the year you guys beat the Lakers, then yep. went and beat the Clippers. Yep. This was a team that you guys knew you guys were a title contender. You guys felt like you guys were a better the better team the next season, right? We didn't. Yeah, man. We went to a training camp like, and we lost Amari in training camp the year before, so we were playing in '06. Like down possibly our best player and still thought we should win a championship. Like we felt like if we had beat the Mavericks and like I tore my calf in that series and we were already undermanned and we just couldn't do it. But if we had beat them, we felt real good about beating the Heat. We had ran Shaq and D-Wade like off the floor twice that year. So we just felt good about it. But anyway, coming to this year, fully loaded with Amari in the mix, like we did feel like this was our opportunity. And our Eastern Conference performances, like we were blowing people out from the East. So it became about us getting out of the West, you know? So so, so that's where we are. And we've won the game, you know? And there's no reason for me to even, or anyone else, I'm sure, to even think about the NBA getting involved in any real capacity, right? Like, because nothing happened. It wasn't really, like, no punches were thrown or anything like that. And then as we're on the plane... You know, there starts to be like a little rumbling of like, oh, well, you know, some guys by the next morning, dog, like we were like, holy heck, like they are really doing this. They are suspending Amari and Boris Diaw for just stepping onto the court, like stepping onto the court. And I remember being like, you know, if you know Boris Diaw, like the nicest guy in the world. One of the nicest dude, yeah. Real real talk, like might be the nicest dude in the world. Um, Tony Parker's a really good friend of his. So I remember saying to people like, Dog, there's a better chance that Boris is running out there to protect Tony Parker than he was to go out there and fight anybody from the damn Spurs. Like, there's got to be, there's got to be intense, got to come into the equation. There's got to be a spirit of the rule. But they ref that shit and called it right by the letter of the law, dog. Amari, Boris stepped over the line, and that's a wrap. So I, I keep thinking, when I think about this fight, I think about it, or whatever you want to call it, I think about the before and after the malice in the palace and how the NBA just how they looked at fights or whatever they thought of people leaving the bench and things like that. And how was that? How were those two NBAs for you? How was the pre malice in the palace versus the post malice in the palace? Cause that's, you know, you have from begin before that, and then you go into, you know, dress code and things like that. And just how the NBA looks at its players getting into arguments. How, how what was the, what was the change for you there? We understood why it had to happen, um, but it 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 became like super anal babysitting of 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 the players and and pl- you're, look you're playing a sport where while it's not football and it's not you know like full contact where you're tackling and stuff. I mean, it's a very physical sport. Anybody who sat close to an NBA game um, 
you know, and been privy to like pickup games and being in those gyms, like it's physical, bro. People are banging, like, you know, there's a lot of, and so, you know, tempers are going to flare. It's, it's highly competitive. Like there are, you know, legacies on the line, a lot of bread on the line. I always like that. You have to have a little bit of room for, for some of that to pop up as long as it's not breaking out into fights and the NBA, because of the fight had to put their foot down on any kind of like dust up. So any dust up, became like, hey, dog, like you get, you know, you get suspended for that. Or like it just, they start, started handing out suspensions, bro. Like it was. How did you, but how did you approach like the change in how like, like fans, right? Because they heckled you before then, right? And then to heckle you now and you know you really can't do anything. Like you really can't do anything. Yeah, I, look, I was never a big um, engager with fans on, on on that level. Like, you know what I mean? I always used the fans talk to like motivate me to play better. I felt like, that's what I could use it for. So it didn't really affect me in, in that space. It, it just, you know, it affected your ability to, you know, stand, stand up for yourself because, you know, it became like the instigator getting the tech to like, if you even tried to protect yourself, you were given a tech or you were liable to suspension or fine. So it really, it just changed the dynamic. Like, you know, it was always, you know, double text now. And you're like, what, what? I didn't do shit. Like he did it. And I was just defending myself. It just, it changed it from that regard, you know? And I think they're better about it now. If you watch the games, like they're not finding somebody for taking one or, or suspending anyone for taking one step, two steps over the line. You got like that series, Logan was, we lost game one, then held, held, held home court for game two, lost game three, and then in a like critical game, we win game four. So we're going home two two. Like we've got the, the the home court advantage back. Like we feel really good about that. And game five, without Boris and Amari, we played seven people. I think like James Jones had a big game off seven people, and we lost eighty eight to eighty five. We almost won that shit. Like we felt like we were winning that. That was our championship, at least in our minds. How does it feel to be one of those like? It seems like you guys are one of the teams that's in every era, right? Where, you know, in the Bulls, it probably was the Knicks and the Pistons. And one of those teams that's really, really, really good, but just were in the midst of two, in the middle of two dynasties, right? Where you have the Lakers and you have the Spurs. What was it like for you to, to live in that, in that little purgatory where, you know, you guys are really, really good title contenders, but you just, for whatever reason, it just was never y'all time? You know, at the time, we didn't see it like that, Logan. Like, we thought, and regular seasons had, you know, kind of bore out that we were, we were one of the best teams in the league. Like, pr- people were having problems playing with us. Like, we presented some real issues for a lot of teams and no, we didn't go over the hump. And in retrospect, like there was some of that taking place and, and, you know, some of that, like, you know, that's on us. It's not, it's uh, no excuses are being made. Like, I don't feel like we got anything taken away from us necessarily. Like we could have, we could have not lost game one of that Spurs series and not been in that position. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that go into losing. Um, but we just caught some bad breaks and every, you know, every championship run. Um, I, I always say teams have to a have health, um, which we didn't in 06, right? Because Amari, we lost at the beginning of the season. We were a damn good team dog. Like we were running off games. And then like, I am not 
like a D Wade or anyone like that, like I don't mean that much to a team, but when you're already super thin and you rely on me to do a certain job and I tear my calf in game one, like we just don't have any more bullets in the chamber. So you're playing a, you're playing, you know, you, you didn't pass the health test. And then number two, you got to catch some good breaks. Like, and we caught bad breaks. Like that break in 07 was an awful, awful fucking break. Like two guys step over the line and we lose game five, 88 to 85. The rest of those games are in the hundreds, 88 to damn 85. We did everything yeah. we could. We were just short two of our best front court players. Yeah. It, it, that it's crazy to even think about it like that. But who who used to took who took these losses the hardest in your mind? Well, after these games, you know that they're just going through it. Yeah, who took them the hardest? I mean, for those teams, you know, because I spent a lot of time with Steve, it would it would probably be he and I, um, in in my mind. Like, and I, I that's probably not fair to the other guys on the team, but that's just who I was commiserating with at the time. Um, and they were tough, tough losses, you know, they were just, those were, those were ones where, man, like, it feels like, you know, your soul just got taken out of you, you know, like you just, you're like, damn dog. Like we did, we did everything. Like when we got the news that Boris and Amari were suspended, we had, you have to go through that really quickly, right? You feel sorry for yourself. Uh, you're angry at the league. Um, then you think you can change their mind and then really quickly you got to rally the troops and realize that you got to play that game regardless. Like the NBA is not changing their mind on that. So you got to go out there and play that's draining in and of itself to play the game, to play it as hard as we played it, to have a shot, to win it um, and not be able to get over the hump. Like that's just super draining. Like we, you're just exhausted um, and you feel like shit losing it. The way we lost it was just shattering. You know, when all this stuff comes out with the referees around that time, how are you feeling? Like, are you pissed? Are you, how do you feel throughout that whole thing? Cause these refs that are, you know, Tim Donahue and all these, these refs that are being a question, they refed your game. Some of your biggest games. Listen, if you, if you will look at the USA today, um, of the day that Tim Donahue's story broke, the picture is Tim Donahue in the foreground and in the background is me with my hands up in the air. Like what the fuck? And the scene is us in San Antonio um, for a playoff game. And I remember the fucking play. So, like, when that's the, when it comes out, like, you know, at, it, this, this didn't come out, like, right after those games. But, like, when it came out, I mean, all kind of stuff goes through your head because you're like, you know, like, damn. You know, a lot of stuff that you just thought was coincidental or just looked odd or, all right. I, I don't mean to get into this, but like I listened to the whistleblower pod, right? Like the other day, a friend of mine sent it to me. He said, listen to this. So I listened and it's the, the, the pre whatever it is to the pod is Rashid Wallace talking about, yeah. talking about him getting these phantom texts and calling Tim Donahue a cheater saying he knew what he was doing. And the league fined him, suspended him, like a, cost him a million dollars. And and it was that went through your head at the time, like damn dog, like all of that shit that seemed fishy to me at the time, probably was fishy. And how you know what did it cost us? But I didn't blame the refs for that 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 Spurs series. Like I didn't think that was refs. That was the league coming in and saying like this is the rule. Um, Amari and 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 Boris kind of breached the rule, and we have to call it by the letter of the law. Did you have an idea of like that the refs was on some weird stuff before before that? all those revelations came out. Did you be like, damn, this is where, what, 
at first were you like, damn, this is just a, a tough break, or was it like, damn, something something's kind of fishy right now? Nah, man. Look, look, I always felt like I got the short end of the stick from refs. Like most players probably do. Um, even the stars, like you see LeBron and them, like he gets a lot of calls, but he still thinks he don't get enough calls, right? That's just the nature of the game. Um, there was an incident. I don't know if I talked about it on this pod. I've said it before with Kobe in Staples Center. I was playing for Utah. Um, you could probably look the stats up if you wanted to. I never had a lot of offensive success against Kobe up until this point. We were in the Staples. Um, he was in a triple threat and I was like, doing what I was taught to do, which was get up in his chest and try to take a space away. So he couldn't like, you know, jab or anything like that. He did what he was taught, which was to clear out with big elbows. Like that's the way we were taught back then, right? Like make him pay for being in your space. So he clipped me under my eye. Um, we started MFing each other, like chesting up. We got double texts and ref came over. I don't remember who it was, but Kobe said to the ref, call it even tonight. Oh yeah. And I was like, what? Like I was, that fucked me up. I was like, wait a minute. And so the game just went on. There was nothing else said about it. And, and when you look back at that box score, like Kobe had his normal numbers, but I had 20 and change in LA, which was unheard of. And I got to the free throw line, probably triple the amount of times that I went to the free throw line as an NBA player. So that kind of ate away at me as, as time went on. Cause I'm like, man, is that shit like real? Is it real like that? But nothing else really triggered me. I just thought it was, you know, you, you get some calls, you don't, you don't get some calls. So you, but you did you, and you felt were you pissed when that stuff came out? Like I feel like it came out around the time that this playoff series was was happening. At least the, the allegations. Well, you know, I I was pissed because in my circle, like I always felt like I got the short end of the stick from refs. Like I always just felt I was like, man, this. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like I can't always get the short end of the stick on a call. Like I know some, some of it is me giving a little extra, but some of it is just the foul. Um, but I, I want to be clear. Like I never felt like a ref took a game from us. Like I never felt like that. So I wasn't pissed in that regard. I was just like, you know, how much of, there was an excerpt, like the Donahue book got squashed, right? Like the NBA, how they deaded that. I don't know. Um, cause I figure there are people out there that got to be interested in some of this shit. Right. But he has an excerpt from his book that specifically talks about me and Kobe. And it says that the NBA and the refs, they, they, you know, people don't pay to see what I do. They pay to are see you saying you don't Kobe sell out arenas across the country, Roger. That's what I'm saying. And that's okay. But he says that the refs, are given and I can't look, I can't corroborate this, but it's interesting to me because that's like I always felt like, you know, when you play certain dudes, you know you can't do shit to them. And it doesn't like you're still a phenomenal basketball player. Like Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan, like some of those dudes, they're phenomenal basketball players. But that don't mean that they should demand more fouls than anybody else. Can you dig what I'm saying? Yeah. That yeah. shit always was weird to me. And I'm sure that just got got you enraged. Just got you enraged when you saw because I mean, you we I've, I've you know I've known you for a little bit. I, I know that you <laughs> that you you know that you 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 are a very passionate, dude. So when that happens and you are the direct, you are not the beneficiary of these calls. You're pissed. I'm pissed, but I know who I am, and I know, you know, that the league is has been good to me, right? Like, and so. You know, it was always my dream to play in it. And and that just is what you knew. Like, you've heard people say he hasn't earned that call yet. 
I mean, what do you think they're like? What do you think they're saying? What the fuck? You earn you you earn you you start earning calls in your third year in the league. Like that in and of itself is some bullshit. Like you know what I mean? So you you're just you're indoctrinated into it. You understand it's coming. But when he when the shit hit about Tim, like it was it was like damn dog. Like that's that is that's interesting because you you know there's some times where you felt we had all right we had a game in in Denver. Steve Nash and I have talked about this game. You can look it up. He had to have the over in this damn game. There's not even a question. He had to have the over. He refed it. And it went to like triple overtime on some calls. Like if you go back and look at the calls, you're just left like, what, bro, who calls that shit? Like, why would you, why, there's no need to do that. No one ever yeah. does that. I played in 600 NBA games that no one ever makes that call. But this night, the call kept getting made over and over. And we're in triple overtime scoring like 150 points a piece. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's interesting shit. It's, 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 it, it was it was a vibe. Was it a vibe? It was a whole vibe, bro. It was it, it was, was a vibe. I didn't mind because I had like twenty six of them in that. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Let's get to real one of the week, man. All and right. we know real one of the week is someone that exemplifies all that we hold dearly in an NBA player, as a person, as a record label, and as a motherfucking crew. Roger, like who is your with us? Then fuck you too, right? Like that's ah, right. ah. <laughs> so, uh, who is your <laughs> who is shoot. your real one of the week? Uh, this is easy, bro. <clears throat> one, Tiafimo Lopez. Listen, my man and his dad tried to tell you that within fifteen fights he was going to be a world champion. Everybody thought that they were on some real gas. Like, it was just out of pocket for him to be saying this. And for the most part, like, there was no nothing to really compare it to. So I can dig it. They told you they were going to beat Lomachenko, and people were bugging, like, whales, all the money on Lomachenko. Um, and then he came out, and he handled his business, and he beat him. Like, I don't agree with the 119 to 109 scorecard. That's besides the point. I still think he won the fight. What really makes him a G and a real one Mm. is when asked about the rematch, and he said, nah, because the result would be the same. So ain't mm. no be no rematch. That ain't is a no real rematch. one, bro. Ain't no rematch. Real one. So when you hit the one hit of quitter, Roger, you say ain't no rematch when they want to get the fade again? Is that what you're saying? That's because you feel like you relate to that. I, well, yeah. But on the flip side, like, hey, look, if you beat me, you're going to have to look for me every time you come around a corner. Cause Hey, check this out, bro. <laughs> Hey, yo, check this out. All right, Who you man. got? Who's my, your real one, bro? My real one, it, it's just kind of out of, out of sympathy and, and, and kind of like a little pity, man. Dak Prescott, bro. Ah, Took a real, you know, it, that injury was, was sick. He did, you know, he did put the fist up, but that was a very, very, very gruesome injury for him. I just wish him all the best. No doubt. We got to, you know, I'm Ryan for my black quarterback, so I just hope that, you know, he does well. Um, and recovers well and is able to be healthy and provide for his family. So that's facts. Jack Prescott right here. Well, we end on a positive note, man. It's a good, it's good to, to be back in the lab with you. Well, off season edition of the real ones podcast on the ringer NBA show. Make sure you follow along on Spotify. Make sure you um, check us out wherever podcasts are, are, are listened to. You can check out the mismatch. You can check out group chat. You can check out Bill Simmons podcast. You can check out everybody on the Ringer Podcast Network and Spotify, and check that out on the NBA feed. We also got R2C2 on the MLB feed. We got the Ringer NFL show. 
tap in with that. Um, we'll see you next week. Will we have a guest? Will we not? I don't know. You're going to have to stay and check it out. Talk to y'all soon. Peace.